0: Hi, I'm Shelby
1: and I'm Janine. We are the
0: hosts of We, we Art Here. We talk about art. I introduce the history on an art subject
1: and I interview an artist tied to that art subject. Keep listening.
0: All right, so total transparency here. When we started talking about what topics we wanted to research for these interviews, most of them came pretty easily. Street art, indie games, documentaries. Those topics covered a pretty good through line in their respective interviews. This one was a little bit harder. Not because it wasn't a good interview or because we didn't have anything to talk about. No, 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 no. There was almost too much to talk about. Between music and theater and opera and everything, there wasn't really a singular thing to focus on. So when it came time to talk about what we were going to talk about, Janine put forth a great A. Why not talk about something that combines aspects of all of those together? Why not talk about rock operas? First of all, let's define a rock opera. At its most basic, it's a collection of songs that lyrically connect to a common story, not unlike, well, den opera. Although the opera label is a little bit of a misnomer, they tend to be more like suites than a typical opera. Further, these songs are typically released as concept albums, not scripted for acting. However, that does not exclude them from being adapted into musicals, which I'll get into later. But, for instance, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar was conceived as a rock album to tell the story via music alone, but got turned into a wildly successful musical. I should clarify, there's a difference between a rock opera and a rock musical, although the line does kind of blur together a bit. Musical theater can incorporate rock into their scores, such as in Rent, Head to Again the Angry Inch, and Spring Awakening. In some of these musicals, might even be almost entirely sung through, you know, like an opera. Some recent examples include *Hades Town*, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, and the ever-popular Hamilton, which, notably, was initially conceived as a rap concept album, which is its own whole sub-genre, but we're talking about rock here. This does not mean that there are rock operas, though. Stephen Sondheim once said the difference is in where these pieces are performed. If it's in a theater, it's theater. If it's in an opera house, it's opera. So where do rock operas live? Rock operas might live in where their audiences go to experience them, in concert venues or other alternative performance spaces. As a final distinguishing point as to what makes a rock opera a rock opera as opposed to a standard opera opera is a story told entirely through singing, with songs almost always in service to the plot. While rock-opera plots tend to be a little bit more vague and up to interpretation, the songs aren't necessarily in service to a general, clear plot, basically. Let's move on to the history. The term itself dates back to the ancient year of 1966 in RPM Magazine, with the first rock operas releasing in the following years. The Atlantic's Colin Fleming described Nirvana, uh, no, not that one, British psych band Nirvana's 1967 album The Story of Simon Simopath as as an early foray into the genre. The following year, English band The Pretty Things released SF Sorrow, which New York Times writer Neil Strauss posits as generally acknowledged as the first rock opera. However, the first album to be explicitly labeled as a rock opera is The Who's Tommy. Tommy became wildly influential in the world of rock, sparking the era of the rock opera in the 70s. And also, as a side note, Tommy was not immune to various stage adaptations, including a Broadway run in the 90s, a ballet production in the 70s, a cover from the London Symphony, a film, and, well, an opera in 1971, featuring Bette Mintler. Anyway, I'm, I'm the, I digress. We're talking about the 70s. Several well-known rock operas were released in this decade. Several well-known and influential rock operas were released in this decade. To list... Just a few. 1972, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars, from David Bowie. 1973, 1974 saw Preservation Acts One and Two, respectively, from the Kinks. 1975, Schoolboys in disgrace, also the Kinks. 1975, Soap Opera, the Kinks again. Also, 1974, the land lies out on Broadway, Genesis. 1976 saw 2112 by Rush. All this culminates in 1979 with Pink Floyd's seminal The Wall. By the 1980s, however, rock operas were becoming somewhat passe. The term itself was starting to become shorthand for overblown and pretentious acts. It was the 80s. Punk rock was taking over and rock operas were exiting the spotlight that is until the 90s. The 90s saw a resurgence in the rock opera genre with Randy Newman's release of Faust in 1995 based on Ghost's play of the same name. The same year, David Bowie released another rock opera album with Outside. Moving on to the 21st century, the concept of the rock opera was picked up by newer artists in the protest music era of the early aughts, with Green Day producing American Idiot in 2004 and My Chemical Romance releasing The Black Parade in 2006. Again, going back to <clears throat> Again, going back to rock operas being adapted into musicals, American Idiot was adapted into a Broadway musical that had a short run in 2010. Like many of our history discussions, there's really no end to this story. Rock operas, while some clips by genre cousin rock musicals, still have life in a more independent scene, as opposed to the high production products of the 70s. But, well like every other history section on this show, it's a continuing story. To get a little pretentious, art itself is kind of a continuing story. There's no definitive piece of any particular medium or genre, so it's hard for me to write conclusions. Basically what I'm trying to say is that even niche art forms in periods of dormancy Still have life. You never know what's waiting around the corner. Maybe hey. Maybe twenty twenty one we'll see the birth of the second golden age of rock operas.
1: You never know. Thanks for doing this. Okay, so um so we're talking about art in this podcast. And, uh, so we picked you for like music. Cause I know that, um, you're a musician. Um, but then we can also talk about, you know, any other type of art. Um, so I know I asked you about like, um, that you could talk about whatever you're most passionate about. So, um, do you have like a certain like style of music or a type of music that you're like most Sorry. passionate about or into?
2: Okay, well, um, I mean it depends. For listening, um, I just listen to a lot of classic rock. But for performing, I I was trained as a as an opera singer, so that's what I have a passion for. And in the classical realm, I also um, I like a lot of orchestra music. Like I used to go to the symphony very often, so um, that's kind of like what I'm passionate about. Mostly opera and uh, orchestral work.
1: So have you been able to, um, I guess since you moved, have you been able mm-hmm. to kind of, well, probably not. Cause it was like, right. Well, it was like kind of when COVID started happening, but like, I know you said that you have work. So like, are you working as like, um, a singer now? Uh, I'm teaching music right now. Oh, okay. So
2: yeah, I, I do, uh, private lessons and, uh, that's going very well, actually. Um, but um, I haven't been able to perform ever since we got here. I used to do back in Georgia. I was pretty active. Um, I used to, I think my first job right after grad school, I I was writing music and performing for this uh, theater company. So that was pretty exciting. I liked it a lot. It really pushed me to uh, a different part of music performing. Um, I was singing in a choir, I was, I was also a music minister at a, at a church, so I was very active in very uh, different aspects of music.
0: Uh, what? So, what kind of music do you do you teach privately?
2: Uh, pretty much, the kids uh, choose the music they want, so they do a lot of pop music, <laughs> Taylor Swift, a lot of Katy Perry, which is cool. I like it. It also like I'm learning a lot because. Like, I have three girls that are singing the same song. You pick the same song. And all of the same song, but three different girls, and all of them have different problems with it. So it's really interesting, kind of targeting their vocal problems, their different uh, challenges they have with the same song, and
0: how to help them sing healthy. Sorry, we're still kind of new (laughs) to interviewing. You also said that you... Uh, wrote and performed for musical theater in the past? So was that like um, original
2: work? Yeah, it was, it was a musical theater. It was a theater company. So they needed like interludes between uh, changing of scenes or they did a radio. It was a version, the radio version of, um, what's this movie? The Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of like a radio station doing, uh, performing, like actors performing that. And I had to write, write like the theme for the radio station, things like that. It wasn't really musical theater, it was interviews
0: or little themes that we would insert in the in the play. Oh, that that sounds I my my background's in theater, so I was like,
1: Oh sorry. Yeah, I think. so what was it like? kind of doing, um, like writing the music, how were you able to kind of get that role even? Was that like while you were in school you did that or is was right after you graduated? Yeah, it was,
2: it was right after grad school and I kind of was looking for jobs in the music, in a music environment. And this, up. I think I was supposed to be stage, uh, like assistant stage manager. So I was just sitting there and they started saying, hey, we need, we need music for this. I was like, I, I can write it. I, I can do that. And uh, it was really fun because you got to collaborate. And then the director was like, OK, we need music for this. I don't like this. I like this. It was um, it was very interesting work. I enjoyed it a lot. I had to sit down for all the rehearsals so I could really get the idea of what they wanted for specific things. We did Cinderella also. We did a few plays, I don't remember. We did The Merry Wives of Windsor, which that was fun. Um, But it was always the same process, me sitting through the rehearsals, um, getting to know the actors also and how they performed their character, because that's very important. And uh, sometimes we wrote themes for each character, so getting to know... um, the chemistry they had also on stage and the pacing of each different cast. So that's pretty much what we did. Like I really I really didn't have an idea of what I was gonna write until I was writing there with them. Um, just listening to them, getting to know their personalities. It was pretty much the creative process for that. Do you have a favorite show that you've worked on? I think the first one it was uh, the um, uh, it's a wonderful life that was it was also I love Christmas so I got to live Christmas like since October (laughs) rehearsal and it was it was my first one and I really I really enjoyed it.
1: Is it kind of hard to? I guess maybe it might be hard, but what is it like like kind of translating like the feel that you get from like the actors and like the motion of the play how is it translating that into like um a written like musical piece like what do you kind of do I know you said that you talked with the actors but I guess like the actual writing what is that yeah. process like
2: uh, well for example for this particular one I listened to the music from the movie I had never seen the movie but then I listened to the um Music for the movie kind of gave me an idea, but then it wasn't really what the director wanted. So um, pretty much when I get the idea, for example, someone is very goofy. So I just start playing on the piano, something that sounds goofy to me, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I elaborate from there. Um, For the romantic themes, you know, it was something very sweet. So it's kind of like, it's pretty much me playing on the piano, which I love. Like I would spend hours, literally. Mm-hmm. I would take my keyboard to my bed and just play in there, uh, just play around a lot.
0: So when when you write character themes, like like once you have a general feel for it, like how do you go and and flesh it out?
2: Um, I uh, for example, I would just
0: start with a chord,
2: like, and from there, from there, I would. And kind of like play around with melodies, and then you are. And then maybe you add something interesting. You want to make it sad. And I would just play around like that. And when something that I really, really liked um, came out, I would start writing, writing it down, writing it down. And then I would even, uh, I was like, yeah, I like this. And then I played it with the actors, It was like, mm, it's not a flight ride, um, and I would trick it again. So it's a lot of uh, try, correct, make mistakes, and uh, a lot of playing around, that's my life.
1: That theater company that you worked for, was that in like Atlanta, Georgia, or was that like kind of in Statesboro-ish area?
2: It, it was in Athens, so I lived in Athens, Georgia oh. sort of, for two years. And uh, it was Rose of Athens. Mm-hmm. I think, actually, they stopped working this year. They closed their doors this year. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was Rose of Athens.
1: Athens, Georgia. Hmm. I know when I think of um, Athens, Athens, Georgia, um, I think about, like, the B-52s. Do you guys know uh, who yeah. they are? They are you know? They're, like, yeah. from that area. And I know, like, I think John Mayer, even, like, he played he like kind of lived near there i think so what was it like when you were living there um with like the music scene there was did you like go to a lot of shows and stuff
2: it's a very musical city uh a lot of bands I like this i got i got to see some bands my favorite one like street dive i don't know if you know them yeah yeah i saw them live i love them so you got a lot of i think a lot of people just go to atlanta and they just kind of do a one-hour drive, a lot of big bands to Athens, and then they, um, but yeah, we have a lot of shows. Even there are a lot of um, local bands. They have a music festival over the summer, and a lot of local bands play there. It's very, very nice. They close all the streets. You get to walk around. There are like little stages everywhere downtown. So it's a very artistic feel. Uh, me. I also feel like all the artistic community, we all know each other when you're there. So I knew people from church that were in the same choir that I sang in another choir, who were in the theater company, like everybody knows
0: each other. So it's a big and very nice community, very welcoming. Um, So you said that there's a a lot of crossover there. Um, like, Like, were you able to kind of build connections and cross over into other things that you were interested in by just kind of taking part in that community?
2: Yeah, like uh, the first months I didn't have a job. I think I had just started this one and then I joined the choir, the Athens Master Chorale. And from there I got two more jobs from people that I knew there. Um, one of them was a minister at the Catholic Center and said that we're looking for someone to do the 10 a.m. mass on Sundays. I'm like, okay, I'll go interview for that and I got that job. And then uh, I met another woman in that same choir that Lived her mother lived in a in a home. It wasn't a home. It was a very nice residence. And they have all this different um work, like workshops, classes for people living there. And they needed someone to direct the choir. And I got that job too. You know, so I got to work like different types of choirs in there, and all because of the community that you built there.
1: Did you ever face any like kind of competition within? That community, or was, is it all pretty like friendly? Uh,
2: it's friendly competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember also auditioning for. They were gonna do Hunchback.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh wow, and that's the, a great one. Us. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I auditioned. I didn't get it, but I stayed in contact with uh, the director, and later on, with some other things. So it's a healthy competition.
1: Mm-hmm. And then um, back to kind of Statesboro, which um, I don't know. Should I like? say that I guess I'll say it um so I met Daniela um when I was at Georgia Southern University um in Statesboro Georgia which is like kind of like a country town (laughs) um but yeah it was like the international some kind of like international club or something yeah yeah um and you were studying music there right Mm -hmm. it was like um were you just there for a semester originally or were you
2: yeah, I did a semester of, a semester abroad. Mm. So I'm originally from Mexico, and they had this program where you could go a semester abroad, and they pretty much paid for everything. And you would go to another university. I chose Georgia Southern. I was there spring semester of my junior year, which is where I met you. And then I went back home, graduated, and then came back to Georgia Southern to do my master's.
1: Mm. So what was it like... Um... Kind of being, I guess, both in Mexico and at Georgia Southern, like, studying music. And what was it like? Um, because you, you, like, do, I don't know what it's called, but, like, you would perform, like, as a part of, like, classes, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, voice, well, I mean, I guess every instrument for us, it was, um... We had classes and then every Wednesday we have what we call studio which is um, you sing in front of everybody and uh, obviously your teacher tells you when you're going to sing and you have to prepare something and then they give you feedback like your colleagues give you feedback which at Georgia Southern was very very nice because it was there were no clicks in that in the music department which is wonderful it created a very safe environment and I grew a lot in there Mm -hmm. um Back in Mexico, when I was an undergrad, it was a little bit different. Um, we didn't have studio, but a lot of teachers have had their own uh, chamber ensembles. Like I was in the early music ensemble, so I got to perform a lot. Like we would do, I don't know, 20 concerts every semester, not in school, like in the city. Yeah. And th- that was that was very nice. It was a lot of practice, and we even they even brought people from Spain to give us master classes and things like that. And then we prepare a concert for them but yeah it was very different and Georgia Southern I think the semester that uh, you went to a recital at the end Mm -hmm. of the semester Mm -hmm. that wasn't really usual for Georgia Southern we just do the studios and then uh, just the junior and senior recitals or graduate recitals and those are open to the public but for that time the teacher was leaving and she wanted to organize a concert before she left with her studio. So that's why we had a public performance, but Georgia is a bit less active with those kinds of performances for the public, which I miss a lot. I really like uh, back in undergrad, we did a lot of just singing for different crowds, you know? So I miss that in Georgia Southern.
0: Um, kind of on the same topic um, with, you know, everything being in lockdown, nowadays uh, how are you continuing to to work on your craft
2: um it has slowed down a lot um i still i mean i, start, I have to prepare a lot of music for my students sometimes make their arrangements and then i just didn't even start doing my own thing <laughs> so, um uh, but yeah it has definitely slowed down i know some friends the uh, i have a friend that is a singer too and he started the bathroom bars so he does some calls with his friends and they perform songs in the bathroom but like <laughs> just because it has, it has good acoustics so you can sing very nicely in there um but um i guess yeah i i, I have actually slowed down i think i should also live, within, live in an apartment so i'm scared i'm gonna <laughs> disturb the neighbors. I
1: started doing it and then it's like, oh, no, no. But um, I've been sticking
2: to piano a little bit more these days than singing.
1: Do you teach piano as well or do you mostly teach vocal?
2: I teach both piano and voice.
1: Do you play any other instruments or...?
2: I used to play the guitar, but I haven't done it for years. Mm-hmm. So that might be a goal for next year: start playing guitar again. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I played mandolin for a few years also in mm-hmm. junior high. Junior high.
1: I've never played the mandolin, um, but that it's like similar to guitar, right? Just like. Yeah, like a
2: little one. It's also similar to the to a bass mostly, more because it has four strings only. So, yeah. But um, yeah, that that was fun.
1: So, what are like? uh, Do you have like a favorite, like symphony orchestra that you really like listening to? Uh,
2: Well, back at home in Mexico, I come from a town that is very very artistic. Uh, The symphony in there was the first one in the country. Oh. 19th century. So it's a very important um, symphony. So I used to go there every Friday. They pray every Friday. So I would go because as a music student, you would also get three passes. So um, that's one of my favorites. My hometown, I think, is very good. And uh, worldwide, um, I like right now, I like the LA Symphony mm. because I like the director and um, the Berlin Philharmonic. That's also one that I like to listen to sometimes I just don't go by symphony I go by the director who's Mm -hmm. conducting and uh those are the I I guide myself through the conductor more than the actual orchestra
0: Mm -hmm. oh what what about like different conductors like makes makes a difference
2: um yeah yeah, I think they they have uh, a lot of not licensed, but everybody interprets the, the score of, of music differently. Yes. And it shouldn't because everything is written down, but they do. And uh, so some uh, conductors are a more dynamic with it. They get a little more involved. You can tell their relationship with their musicians. It's different. Some of them are a little bit cold and not like that. Um, I honestly avoid um, orchestras sound a little bit mechanical. Mm-hmm. Like they're like if it's too perfect, then I don't like it. I don't know why it just doesn't sound human, and an orchestra supposed to sound human. Otherwise, we use machines. Machines, and um, that's why I like Gustavo uh, Dudamel, which he is very, and he enjoys conducting. You can tell in his face when he's conducting, and the whole orchestra is having a good time. It's just. um the way he conducts is very i believe very personable i've also looked at some of his um master classes how he the process that he goes through with each instrument like okay play this but he doesn't only tell you like play this play this way or imagine this he uses a lot of imagery and i think that really reflects on the final product
0: um, i like i had no
1: idea <laughs> I have a question about conductors. I know that you're not a conductor, but maybe you've conducted before. But um, what do, like, conductors, have they played, like, every instrument at least a little bit? Or, like, how does that work? I've always been curious.
2: Yeah, uh, preferably I think they have. I knew there were classes that, I mean, there are classes in music school for score reading. Because also every instrument is written differently. Mm -hmm. There are some, even some instruments that transpose. So what's written is not really what sounds. So you have to be able to switch in between instruments. So I think they all know a little bit of each instrument. I think that a lot of uh, conductors are also pianists. So they have that harmonic ear very developed. But uh, yeah, I think it it would be necessary for you to know a little bit of each instrument even if you don't play it completely but at least know the mechanics and uh, the basics of each instrument
1: so i kind of asked about your favorite like symphonic uh group but like what is i know this is like a hard question for like anybody mm-hmm. but what are so i'll say like some of your favorite like um, musicians it can be you know any type of genre but what are your Some of your favorite ones.
2: Um, I mean, I am a die-hard Beatles fan. I love the Beatles. I grew up listening to them. Like my my dad loved them, so, I mean, he still loves the Beatles. But um, like I grew up listening to that a lot of '70s music because my parents were young in that area. Um, classical music. I really love Schumann. I even wrote my thesis, my graduate thesis, on Schumann and one of his. Voice cycles. So I got really obsessed with him during my senior year of undergrad. Mm-hmm. I like the romantic period, which is the 19th century Beethoven, Schumann, um, Schubert, a love bit of the French uh, composers also. They're just very, I think they, they really, what I liked uh, about that period is uh, they did a lot of songs, art, what we call art songs. So they're usually set on the poem and they have all this I really like the imagery in music and they do that a lot. So um yeah,
1: those are some of my favorite ones. Um so I kinda noticed like as we're talking about music, you're kinda mentioning like imagery and and even just now like kind of poetry. So how do you mm-hmm. think that like um how okay. I'll just ask this and then I can fix it if it doesn't make sense. Um <laughs> But like, so how would you define art? Um, because I, I noticed like it's it kind of blends together um, and I know there's probably even more like um, methods of art that kind of influence like music. So what what do you kind of think about when I say like, what is art? Like, how would you define it? I
2: don't, I really don't like, uh, <laughs> for me, it's obviously I think everybody has their own interpretation mm-hmm. For me, art is a way to express yourself, and that sounds very broad. I know it has to have certain rules. I like adhere to certain rules, certain um, expectations. But uh, for me, mainly art is a way of expression through making something beautiful Mm. or something aesthetic. It doesn't have to be beautiful because also everybody has their own interpretation of beauty. But for me, it has to be less aesthetic, it mm-hmm. has to be, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how, what the right word is, the creation of something beautiful through singing, music, uh, but also that comes from within. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like that, um, yeah. <laughs> that interpretation, because yeah, I think it is um, like just an expression just a way to express yourself. And mm-hmm. I think it, I feel like there's not really like a right or wrong way to do that. But I feel like sometimes um, some people might like get like too, like kind of closed in by like boundaries.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> we'll
0: just kind of draw a blank. Um, so what. Uh, what advice would you give someone who wants to go into your uh, I guess for lack of a word, your field of of art
2: um, I guess uh, specifically for musicians um, I would say uh, when you're in school if you decide to music school take as many classes as you can even if they're not from your. I mean not like that but try to have a broad um, try many classes that you may not be comfortable with. Like I took composition, I took uh, conducting, I took all these things. And you know what, if I hadn't tried that, then I wouldn't have gotten a job with the theater company. Like they would say, no, you don't write music very well. We don't want you to write music anymore. But I took uh, composition, I took um, history, I even took investi- like music research, you, you never know when Where where life's gonna take you or the opportunities you're gonna have. Um, Also for music, be prepared for a lot of rejection. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to be okay with being rejected and it hurts and you can mourn a little bit, but you can you have to keep moving because it sounds weird, but it all like things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to bounce back for the next opportunity. So be resilient. I think that's. Very important for musicians and for artists in general. And I uh, think the last one, I was when I was in undergrad, I was like, I'm never gonna teach, I'm never gonna teach. I don't like teaching. <laughs> like, no, I'm gonna be a performer. And then I started teaching. Like, I went to grad school and a teaching assistantship, and I really enjoyed it. And I actually learned a lot from teaching. So don't be a snob, like I was. <laughs> 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 and just um, embrace every phase of your field. It's It's very rewarding. Teaching is very rewarding, and you learn a lot.
1: Um, So, like, would you – I know you just kind of said this, but, like, I know, like, for, like, musicians, there are a lot of people who are, I'll just say, like, more classically trained or who have, like, gone through, like, um, schooling specifically for that, and then there are people who um, kind of are just – are actually – like, really good just, like, by ear, but they might not know... Like, they could play a piece after hearing it, but they wouldn't be able to, like, tell you what note is what, like, on a mm-hmm. on the sheet. So what do you kind of think about that?
2: Um, I think it depends on what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. if you're just... Gonna, if you're going to write uh, pop music, then maybe you don't need to learn how to analyze a Beethoven symphony, you know? Mm-hmm. You really... I do believe in being practical. I have a lot of kids right, right now, for example, that they really don't need to learn theory because what they want to do is singing. So let's cultivate that. I have a lot of them that are natural singers, like their placement of their voice their posture is spot on. I'm not going to change anything to that. I'm not going to overwhelm you with theory or all this technical stuff because you naturally do it. And I feel like if I'm I start messing with you, I'm going to interfere with your natural talent because some people just have natural talent. So um, I, I like academia. I like, uh, like I'm very nerdy. I like studying. I like doing all that stuff. It was good for me because I don't have like some looseness of other people who have um, like a natural talent. Like I have a really, especially for singing. I really have to, I really had to work for it. But I saw other people that it was a lot easier for them. So I think it depends on what you want, depends on what you like, and uh, what you're working for. So I think that all, all, all kinds of musicians are valid. You mm-hmm. just we just work different jobs.
1: So what would you kind of say to somebody who, um, let's say that they like sign up for one of your classes? And they're like totally like tone deaf, like <laughs> like they have zero natural ability. Um, would you kind of encourage them to just keep practicing and developing, or is there like a certain point where you might not say it to them, but you you would think like mm, yeah, they're kind of hopeless in this area?
2: Um, that's hard. I don't think I've had anybody like that, mm-hmm. thankfully. But um, I would. I would try to adapt the class as much as I can to them, you know, little victories, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, you played one. Oh, I actually did have, um, I was a tutor at Georgia Southern also for all the kids that need a little bit of extra help. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy that was just tone deaf. and I couldn't like I couldn't understand it because he, I think he was a professionist, So he mm. had other abilities, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, you just need to pass this class. Let's take it slow. Mm-hmm. Um just like sometimes just because we have to train in interval listening and things like that, we would get everything wrong. But when he got one right, I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Keep it like that. Always encouraging because it's, it's a little victories. And um, I think he's doing actually pretty well. So. Cool.
1: Do you stay in touch with a lot of people that you met um, while you were in that program at Georgia Southern?
2: Yeah, I think most of my, well, yeah, most of the people, for example, on Facebook that I have are from my undergrad and grad school. So, yeah, from back in Mexico, my university, and at Georgia Southern. And they're they're mostly in the Southeast area, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, but we still keep in touch. Um,
1: so have you been able to um, perform, I know not right now, but... Like, uh, have you ever been able to perform, like, kind of like more operatic type songs? Um, um, not
2: opera since I left grad school. I wasn't a choir, we did um, like classical work. We did a Mozart's Requiem, um, Brother's Requiem, a lot of classical work, and I did get some solos once in a while in there so yes I still uh, was still working on classical music.
0: Uh, do you have a, a favorite opera that you've that you've done or performed
2: a um, piece from? Yeah uh, from operas we did The Crucible which I didn't know at all because it's a contemporary opera but that would be really intense really and fun. <laughs> Marriage of Figaro I've seen it and I was in it also and uh, that was just beautiful like I enjoyed it I enjoyed performing it more than singing it it's just so intricate there are a lot of subtle things that you miss when you just listen for the first time but if you're working over it for a whole semester then you really get to notice those things
0: right and um,
2: I don't know pieces yeah I think once I perform those ones, I've always liked La Traviata also, and I know that opera people say is it's a cliche because it's kind of like the, one of the most known. But I just, I just love it.
0: Right. <laughs> um. So, uh, Janine said you moved to El Paso recently. Is that right? Yes, in May. Ah, uh, okay. Um, have you been able to, uh? perform any or or get anything or well I guess since it was May uh probably not but (laughs) um like aside from teaching have you been able to uh perform anything
2: um no I auditioned for El Paso Opera but Mm -hmm. they canceled the season so Mm -hmm. yeah and I got in touch with them and then they have a youth opera I got in touch with them but yeah everybody's been canceled well, not everybody, everything's been canceled this year. So um, hopefully in the upcoming years, um, because I, I was very surprised to know that El Paso has a very active music scene also. So um, I've made, I, I, I'm in contact with them. But unfortunately, there's not many opportunities to perform, not even a church, like, which is always, a like, yeah it's always like a place to perform for musicians church and right now like we're still having virtual
0: services and things like mm. that. no music sorry, i need to like <laughs> i didn't need to like ask kind of a downer question there
1: <laughs> i'm sorry um, i kind of had a follow-up it's it also will be like probably not really happy, but, um, (laughs) I know you're able to teach, but like, do you have any other friends, um, who have been like pretty severely impacted? I mean, I guess so if a lot of seasons have been canceled, um, and how are they kind of, are they also kind of teaching? How are they kind of dealing with, um, the situation? I
2: know a lot of classmates, they just, they're doing virtual teaching, Mm -hmm. So because people are are also bored, you know, in their houses. Okay, I'm going to get a keyboard maybe learn to play it. So that's a good side of it. But yeah, I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends that perform, they've been doing virtual concerts, but of course it's not the same. And people are not going to, sometimes don't want to pay for that. So that's another downer. But a lot of them are are doing teaching, are are teaching and they're doing well. I did feel bad. One of my friends got a solo finally at the symphony. So in March, I got canceled, so yeah, that was pretty bad. Mm (laughs) But yeah, most of my friends are, or a lot of them are school teachers. Like, Mm -hmm. they still do it virtually. So
1: So for, like, for being, like, a, would you say you're a full-time musician? Mm, I would say
2: right now I'm a part-time musician. (laughs) Yeah, just teaching. I would definitely would like to go full-time. But um, I think in Athens maybe I was a lot more full time. Mm-hmm. I was teaching
1: and you know, I was performing. I guess like before this whole situation, yeah. um, would you would you say that it it was like pretty difficult to be like a full time musician, or like if you kind of start you know making contacts and like being a part of a community, is it easier to? be a full-time musician, or is it always kind of struggling, Mm -hmm. in a way?
2: Yeah, I think it's, there's always a struggle, like, in essence, I had five jobs, Mm -hmm. so you really have to, like, go touch all of the, all of your bases, and uh, I still had another job, or like, like, a real, what they call a real job, (laughs) but, um, Yeah, it's hard. I think it's maybe a little bit easier for uh, instrument players Mm. because orchestras are a little more prevalent, but singers, it's a little more of a struggle. I think a lot of us do a lot of teaching and a lot of singing at churches because it's it's a steady job, you know, church, being part of a choir church. Um, So, yeah, it's a struggle to be a full-time musician, but... um, I don't know if you like it
1: you're you're there for the struggle mm-hmm. yeah. um were you able did you listen to any of the um i sent daniella some songs from um what's it called oh man it's called little voice is a show that's on um, apple tv um sarah barellas wrote a lot of the music for it and i sent it to her so i'm gonna ask uh, did, were you able to listen to any of the songs? I
2: was not. Uh, okay. <laughs>
1: That's
2: okay. I will. I promise.
1: You don't have to. I just thought I would ask about it.
2: No, I, I like. I actually like a lot of soundtrack music. Mm-hmm. I think that classical music. I think it should be considered classical music. A lot of those
0: mm-hmm.
2: soundtracks—they're just beautiful on its own. Sometimes it like they really enhance the music, the the movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. and they don't get enough credit. So. Mm-hmm. I, I do like soundtracks. I listen
0: to a lot of soundtracks. Uh, do you like have a, a favorite mm-hmm. just off the top of your head?
2: Uh, I love Dario Malinelli, which is he did the music for Atonement. I'm sorry, that's my Uh He did the music for Atonement, oh, mm-hmm. uh, Anna Karenina, uh Pride and Prejudice, and he just writes beautiful music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched any of this, but I'll I'll have to now and pay attention to the yeah. to the score.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: it's... So are those like some of your favorite films too? Uh
2: yeah. yeah. I, I like uh so this composer always writes music for the director Joe Wright. So and mm. Kieran Knightley is in uh, mm. I think music. So it's kind of like they they're a team. I think maybe that's why it works. Always the
1: same crew working together. I was gonna ask you. Um, I don't want to, Shelby. Did you have a question? Cause no, I didn't. I was actually gonna ask. It's a little off topic, but kind of on topic. Um, did you have you all seen Parasite?
0: Not yes. yet. I've, I I need to. Such a I haven't condition. either,
1: but I don't think I will. I've like read what happens. I get like stressed out and creeped out about some things. <laughs>
0: yeah
2: (laughs) so
1: but um I just remember we watched the Oscars one time so I thought maybe I'd ask you if if you'd Um, yeah 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 I did watch it I enjoyed
2: it it's stressful
1: so Mm -hmm. I read what happened I'm not gonna I won't spoil (laughs) it since Shelby hasn't seen it but um yeah it sounded Uh, really interesting uh it also has an
2: open ending, so mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't like that. I like it, like Inception also. It has an open ending. Mm-hmm. I like those kind of endings, but like my husband doesn't.
1: So
2: <laughs> he throws us out, and he's like, "No, I don't like that."
1: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, could we see your dog really quick? Oh
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's right here.
1: Okay. Aww,
2: he's so cute. Oh,
1: he's adorable. So cute. And you guys (laughs) rescued him, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was found in the desert.
1: Aww. He's adorable. He's a little bit shy. Cool. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And his name's Bilbo, right? Bilbo, yeah. Okay. (laughs) For everyone on the podcast audio... Um, Bilbo is a very cute little dog that we just <laughs> Okay. But thank you so much, Daniela.
0: Yes, thank you um, so much. I'll try yeah, to no keep problem. in touch with you as well. Should. <laughs> okay.